Mori Mori Yaisen Gensus! Peg! Peg, it's gone! Somebody stole my car! Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. My name is Al. I'll be right back. I just got to put this Picasso back in my trunk. Uh, take it, Jamie. <laughs> Holy smokes, yikes and gadzooks. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to say Nelly Belly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jamie. We are reviewing Old Insurance Dodge. Oh, I get it. Old Insurance Dodge. Like dodging it. Yeah, they're dodging the insurance and it is a dodge. So, there you go. You know, I never put any thought into the title until right sitting down here. That's why I was like, okay. When Al's Dodge is stolen, he learns it is only worth $100, and he decides to add a few priceless items to the list of things that were missing from his trunk. Director Jerry Cohen, writer Larry Jacobson, Season 7, Episode 24, original air date May 9th, 1993, special guest star Rob LaBelle. As Joe Orton, which is odd that they gave the insurance guy, like, a whole name and everything instead of just saying, hey, I'm here from the uh, uninsurable, you know? Yeah. Let's flesh him out for some reason. <laughs> now, you know, obviously, whenever there's an episode where a lot of the episode is about Al's Dodge, we always have to point out, because it's weird, like, we point out a lot of things, but people don't hear every show. So they ask questions like, hey, did you ever mention this? Did you ever mention that? And uh, we really just mention certain things when it's fitting for, you know, the episode we're reviewing. So, uh, again, we'll mention that uh, although Al constantly refers to his car as a Dodge, it's a Plymouth Duster, a variant of the Dodge Demon. And if you look close in episodes, you can see uh, the Duster emblem on his fenders. Sunday, celebrate Mother's Day with the mother of all comedy nights. First, guest star Mario Van Peebles meets Kitty Litter. Back off, Prairie Dog. And all new in living color. Then, Kelsey Grammer in Vogue, Heavy D, Tone Loke, and Jamie Foxx star on the season finale of Rock Live. And, what's Al Bundy doing in an $80,000 car? Everybody great, Poupon. And all new Mary, followed by Herman's Head. It's a special night featuring appearances by your favorite Fox stars and their real-life moms. It all happens Mother's Day night, Sunday. So, Al's being dragged off to work. Kids, tell your father it's time for work. Hurry, we don't want him to be late. trick on our wedding day <laughs> besides you think if you really had the chicken pox we'd let you in the house now that's 
weird considering uh, the times we're living in <laughs> that she would quarantine him <laughs> outside or in the garage, I suppose. That's true. Weird, right? So this is an interesting time capsule in general uh, since, you know, the whole buzz of everything is all about viruses and vaccines and quarantine. So here, uh, <laughs> the chicken pox... Uh, vaccine was introduced in 1995 so children born after that point have never experienced having chicken pox and uh but prior to that there were four million cases a year and there were around 13,000 hospital admissions and 150 deaths a year from chicken pox and you remember when people used to have like chicken pox parties just to get it over with yeah i talk about that all the time and a lot of people don't know what I'm talking about. When I was little, if some parent found out that their kid had chicken pox, every parent in the area was shoving everybody together. Right. Because the idea was to make sure you got it as youngly, like when you were as young as possible, because the older you get, the worse it is. When I was four, I actually had chicken pox, but it, I didn't realize that apparently it was a mild case because when I was 18, we had an outbreak in my high school and all the people who'd never had chicken pox were coming down with chicken pox. But I wasn't concerned because I already had it. Well, I got it again. And this time it was really bad. Like I was laid up wow. for over a week. Huh. Yeah. Out of the 150 deaths a year, most of them were adults kids generally didn't die. Now, I never had chicken pox, so I could still die from them. Now go to work. Kids, encourage your father. We love you. Have a good day, Dad. Good. Now, here's the lunch and the garbage. Gee, Peg, I can't believe you actually made my lunch. Well, I just took the garbage and separated it into two bags. <laughs> And that phrase comes from an incident that took place during the 1948 presidential election campaign in Bremington, Washington. Truman delivered a speech attacking the Republicans. And during his speech, a supporter yelled out, give them hell, Harry. And Truman replied, I don't give them hell. I just tell the truth about them and they think it's hell. So subsequently, uh, Give Him Hell, Harry became a lifetime slogan for Truman supporters. And uh, Give Him Hell, Harry is the name of a biographical play and 1975 film written uh, by Samuel Galou about Truman. Interesting. Yep, so Al goes to go outside to go to work. It turns out his Dodge was stolen. Holy moly! Yikes and Gansus! Pig! <laughs> It's gone. Somebody stole my car. Don't be ridiculous, Al. Who would steal the Dodge? That would be like someone stealing my engagement ring. Or one of Kelly's ideas. Or Bud. Flip a burger. Flood a bed. Hey, Al. I can't believe it. I lost my Dodge. It's really, really gone. And it figures three weeks to the day I wash the damn thing, it gets stolen. Somebody call the police. What for? The call costs more than the car. 
Yes, and it cost more than the condom I should have used the night you were conceived. <laughs> yes, 911. Yes, this is an emergency. Put me on hold. <laughs> He calls the police, and he's on hold for three hours, which is, you know, obviously uh, a jab at police and how uh, efficient they are and how on top of things they are. There were a lot of those in this episode by, yeah. the, by the police officer himself. Yeah. And before that, you know, Al makes the condom uh, jab at Bud. They do that in season 11, too. Uh Bud's first expense was a broken condom, uh, is mentioned in season 11. Yes, I'm still here. Yes, I want some of your best men on this job. The crime? Someone stole my 1974 Dodge. Hello? Bribe taking donuts, sucking trigger happy. Yes, officer. Yes, I'd like to report a uh, kidnapping. How tall? Oh, about uh, four feet tall, five feet wide. Smoke belching out the rear, weighs about two tons. No, it's not Oprah. No, it's not Delta Burke. Who would call to complain if she was missing? No, it's my Dodge. Hello? They've made fun of both of these uh, women before. The most recent, I guess, the, well, the Delta Burke one was, uh, remember when Al was getting glasses and he confused her with Raymond Burr on the TV? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a favorite punching bag, like Roseanne. Like, he loves making fun of Roseanne, too. Right. Run six red lights, they're all over you. But where are they when you really need them? You know, Dad, this reminds me of the old saying, I was sad when I had no Dodge until I saw the man who had one. <laughs> did you grow up heartless in this house? <laughs> That's obviously the Helen Keller quote. I cried because I had no shoes until I met the man who had no feet. But if you remember in the It's a Bundy for Life when Jefferson was Norman Jablonski, he said, I lament, I cried when I had no shoes until I met the man who sold them. Or something like that. Oh, I'm going to miss the old Dodge. I grew up in it. I went to school in it. I feel like I was born in it. Well, you certainly were conceived in it. <laughs> Kelly was conceived in the back of the Dodge. Impossible. Yeah. Because, I mean, in the same episode, you hear Al say over the phone, it's a 1974 Dodge. Like, just right before that. Right. And then Peg's like, well, you were certainly conceived in it. But that can't be right. I mean... Right. And... They reference Kelly's age, so you can't say, oh, God, that's the actress, not the character. No, but they kept it in line when Kelly was 18 and graduated high school and everything. So she was born November 25th, 1971, Christina Applegate. And uh, they they pretty much stuck with her real age on the show. So, nope, couldn't have happened. And that just seems like a rookie mistake. You know, I mean, why not say Bud was conceived in it? Right. You know, they do have a child that was born around that time. Yeah, and I caught that immediately. And I think because my ears perked up when he said it was a 1974 Dodge, because that's my birth year. So it caught my attention. 
And then she's like, you know, Kelly was conceived. I'm like, wait a minute. She couldn't have been. Yeah, they said this in season four in Rain Girl when Bud's giving a tour of the house and then he gives a tour of the car Kelly was conceived in. So they've been doing this for years. So at least they have the continuity there. It's just it's been wrong from the beginning, I suppose. I don't think back in other instances that I knew what year the car was. And I think what made it stick out this time is that Al just said the year. Right. Oh, I remember when he used to lock me in the old Dodge because he couldn't find a babysitter. Yeah, we always left the window open just a little crack for you, didn't we? Just like we did with Buck. Hey, Al, you remember the time we tried to outrun the cops in the Dodge? Yeah. But he eventually caught us, though. He's pretty fast for a guy on foot. (laughs) But it's not just the car. It's the precious items that it held. Al's sad about the precious items inside of the Dodge. Uh, Maybe in the trunk and stuff, like a picture of his family. Oh, sorry. People will get that later on. (laughs) There's an episode where Steve returns again, and... Well, you'll see. I don't want (laughs) to. Because it's kind of like uh, sort of the ending. (laughs) But... So, yeah, um, no, other things. Uh, the one thing he's really upset about is the 8-track in his car. My 8-track tape player. <laughs> the last great American sound system. Yeah. That 8-track is to today's stereo is what a girlfriend is to a wife. <laughs> An earlier, better version. <laughs> hey, look what we found in the garbage. Nelly Bell, my 8-track! The 8-track is a magnetic tape sound recording technology that was popular from the 60s to the early 80s, and then compact cassette format took over, and that was the end of the A-track. Which is a shame. Now, they were bulky, and they only had eight tracks, you know, so that's, you know. But I loved the A-track. I still have one. But we did use those when I was growing up. Yeah, my dad had a stack of them in the basement. There were I love them because you could go to whatever track you wanted and when we switched to cassettes, honestly, cassettes cassettes are the in the most inferior of of any music medium. And that's the one that that I had all of my childhood was the cassette tape. Yeah. A vinyl with an eight track, with a CD, even you can go straight to whatever you want to listen to, and the cassette was the format that wouldn't allow you to do that with, with ease. <laughs> hey, look what we found in the garbage. Nelly Bell, my eight track. <laughs> so Marcy and Jefferson come in, and they have Al's eight track player. Apparently, the guy who stole Al's Dodge just ripped the eight track out and threw it out of the window. Uh, the thing Al thought was the most precious. So Al says, Nelly Belly, my A-track. I don't know if that's a reference to uh, the Jeep from the Roy Rogers show that said Nelly Belly on it. We also found your Born to be Wild tape. Meet the Four Seasons. Meet the Supremes. And the Four Seasons meet the Supremes. Well, now we know that this thief is not only stupid, but has no taste in music. Wait a second. Wait a second. wonder where Michael Bolton was this morning. 
so we also found your Born to be Wild. Uh, so that's that's real, obviously. And that was played on Married with Children, of course. Uh, Meet the Four Seasons, that's real. Meet the Supremes, that's real. The Four, the four Seasons, Meet the Supremes, that's actually fake. <laughs> and Al says, I wonder where Michael Bolton was this morning. Uh, so Al, you know, doesn't like Michael Bolton either. He It's a running joke, just like the Joe Piscopo thing. So, someone stole your Dodge, eh, Al? Well, it's your own fault. You should know better than to leave it parked out front on garbage day. <laughs> hey, I bet somebody took it to start a new limousine service. You know, for those people who can't quite afford the luxury of Greyhound. <laughs> Or, or to use as a pace car for the Garbage Man 500. You know, Marcy, how can you be so unfeeling? Didn't you ever get up in the morning and suddenly realize that something very, very important was gone? Well, sure you do. You must every morning when you open up your pajama top. Or your pajama bottoms. Yeah, right. <laughs> Set her straight. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, notify the insurance company, and they're not going to be too happy either, because this baby's going to be mighty hard to replace. $50. For a Dodge? That car was a classic. Why, everything in there was original. The seats, the engine, the oil. And what about my mental suffering, huh? How much is that worth? Oh, you say that's the major part of the $50. All right, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. $50. You can't replace a car for $50. And the worst part is just five more payments and the damn thing was mine. That's a repeat joke, kind of, from saying three weeks to the day I wash the damn thing and it gets stolen. I realized it was reminiscent of the first time, the first joke. It just seemed like he said the same thing twice, which he, you know, essentially did. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was whatever. The insurance company is going to give Al $50 for his car, which is weird because the description that we read earlier said uh, they'll give him 100 And you would think that the DVD release, the guy would have watched the episode first and actually written it. But he said, uh, Al, you know, it was worth $100 now and the show it says 50 So there you go. Hey, hey, look, Daddy. We can get a Mercedes for just 50 Ks. You don't even need money. <laughs> and I happen to have some spare case from those letters they sent from school saying that Kelly is an idiot. <laughs> Who's the idiot now, huh? <laughs> That's great news, honey. Why don't you run up and get those K's? <laughs> betcha. And Bud, you can help too. You can probably get one out of the paper because there's always one in there about President Clinton and their cat. <laughs> and the current controversy over campaign contributions. <laughs> wow, that's a veritable cornucopia of K's. <laughs> and today you can find even more K's with all the breaking news about the uh, contagious corona climaxing. <laughs> so, tons of Ks back in 93 or today. Al, 
Now, you're not going to settle for 50 bucks, are you? They pay you for what's in the car as well. Now, what'd you have in the trunk? Well, I had parts of a carburetor I had left over when I took it apart. <laughs> but a salami that I was aging. <laughs> No, Al. You tell them that you had, you had jewelry, paintings, cash. And a salami. <laughs> Follow me, Al. Two salamis. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I think I'm starting to get your drift. <laughs> I think I had a loaf of bread in there, too. <laughs> but how am I going to prove I had all that stuff? Well, how can they prove you didn't? Uh, Dad, this is kind of uh, illegal. <laughs> oh, gee, yeah, that's right. I guess I should rethink the whole thing. <laughs> Little sissy. <laughs> Oh, I mean, insurance companies have been ripping us off for years. Maybe we should get our fair share, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm back in, eh, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love that? Oh, yeah, it is fun. And then he does it again, like, you know, a couple minutes later when, was that good? You know? <laughs> yeah. He just wants to be accepted by somebody in this world. Yeah, and I'm loving Jefferson in this episode. He's cracking me up. When when Al and Marcy are going at it at the door, and he's jabbing Al too, but the moment Al says the thing about her pajama top... Yeah, him laughing? He is laughing so hard. Like, he's just... It is fantastic. He's behind her just, like, dying. And <laughs> I'm like... I love the fake cough when she turns around and looks at him. Yeah, he was, he was killing me in this episode. He was... Probably my, at least one of my favorite parts of this episode. Oh, yeah. And even here when he's convincing Al and he's like, okay, follow me, Al. Two salamis. So he's like, do you get what I'm saying here, dummy? <laughs> like, it's just amazing. He he has been getting killer material all this season. And that's one other bright spot of this season to make it a, a great season. Dare I say that word <laughs> about season seven, Marrow Children. Oh, my God. He's one of the reasons that it is. You could cite any of his scenes, except for maybe one or two. And yeah, wow. This whole thing with Alan Budd shows that Al doesn't need to be a moral anchor. So he goes, you know, the opposite of what traditional TV dads do. And that's what makes this show so special. It's not that kind of show, and that's what's so good about it. You could really use the money, Al. I mean, it should be your choice to walk around with green teeth and yellow underwear. <laughs> or sometimes vice versa. You are right. Now I'm going to make a list. Peg, make a list. <laughs> but how am I going to tell this insurance guy that I forgot to say I had all that stuff? Uh, tell him you had a lot on your mind. How would they know it's as empty as your trunk? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. He doesn't know I'm an idiot. <laughs> What am I going to do for a car? Marcy? I saw you had a third car out front. Can I borrow it? Well, actually, I borrowed it. 
I've been thinking about getting a new car, and dealerships are so desperate for business, they'll let you try one out for a couple days. Gee, I'd like to do that, but I don't have the money to really buy a new car. And, of course, if I lied, then that would be cheating. <laughs> and we couldn't do that, could we? <laughs> that was good, right, Dad? <laughs> So we get uh, a montage or whatever of Al driving this uh, 1992 Mercedes-Benz S-Class down the street, and he pulls up to a guy, and he says, Pardon me. Have you any gray poupon? (laughs) As soon as he rolled down his window and said, Pardon me, I'm like, he's doing a gray poupon joke. Yep. Obviously, that was made famous to... Well, actually, it was famous anyway, but it just went to another stratosphere in Wayne's World, which uh, Ed O'Neill was in. So that's pretty interesting. And and it it's kind of... Uh, it's like, ooh, they did that joke a couple years ago. <laughs> you know? And you were in the movie. and But we're doing it here. Uh, so do you think... And I guess you think it still works, right? I mean, because you didn't know that. You know, here we are 27 years later or whatever. I mean, you don't think about that, you know, when you're watching this. Yeah. Yeah. So the Great Poupon joke is a 1980s commercial, and it basically it's uh, pointing out that one can enjoy the finer things in life with white wine mustard without paying high prices. Uh, so in the commercial, a Rolls Royce pulls up alongside another Rolls Royce, and the passenger says, pardon me, would you, would you have any Grey Poupon? And the guy responds, but of course. And he hands the jar of mustard out the window to the other car. <laughs> like, who has, who is driving around with mustard is what I really want to know. And why? Well, but they're always, they always have chauffeurs and they're eating in the back, so. Oh, is that what the whole thing is? Okay. Yeah, they're, um, that he's like making his lunch in the back or uh. Whatever. So I guess you can do that if you have a chauffeur. I guess. When Al asks the guy for the Grey Poupon, a poster of the film Groundhog's Day can be seen. And that's a film starring Bill Murray. Um, and it also featured his brother, Brian Doyle Murray, who was on the show. He's Kelly's boss at the uh, diner. It was produced by Columbia Pictures, of course, which also produces Married with Children. <laughs> so they're really going all out ever since the uh, movie show, right? Yeah. Just throwing their movie posters around in the show. <laughs> hey, Kel, why are you watching Spanish television? <laughs> Spanish? <laughs> I just thought there were English words I didn't know. <laughs> English words she didn't know. <laughs> now, oddly enough, I used to watch the Spanish channel as a teen, and I had no clue what they were saying. Well, I mean, isn't that Tiffany? <laughs> yeah, Tiffany. I was immersed. See, here we go. <laughs> My whole life has become this. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> do they speak Spanish in her house? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I did not learn a damn thing from staring at those women and all those shows when I was a teen. (laughs) 
<laughs> the weather, I knew what weather was coming up during the week, so that was cool. <laughs> I knew how to dress. Hey, don't sit on my K's. I have 28 K's. Now, I could probably get a Jeep, but I have my heart set on a Mercedes. So, what options do you think I should get? Maybe one of those uh, electronic brains. Because something in the car should have one. Who's mom talking to? Oh, the insurance company. She's taking care of things. She was afraid dad was going to go too far. Yes, I realize it takes time to authenticate the Stradivarius. <laughs> That's why I just don't know why you don't take our word for it. <laughs> yes, we are the same Bundys that filed a claim that our mansion had been whisked away in Hurricane Andrew. <laughs> But I don't know what business that is of yours. That was an entirely different insurance company we were trying to defraud. <laughs> anyway, my husband has empowered me to come down off our original figure of six million. Yes, that's because we found the Picasso. <laughs> well, it turns out it wasn't in the car at all. It just fell into the hamper. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> You know, no one has ever called me that in all my 24 years. Oh, come on. It's not like it's your money. Hello? Uh, those Stradivarius, for those who don't know, those are violins worth millions. So Hurricane Andrew was a powerful uh, Category 5 Atlantic hurricane that struck the Bahamas, Florida, and Louisiana in 1992. And it was the most destructive hurricane to ever hit Florida in terms of damaged and what's destroyed and all that. It was the costliest in financial terms until Hurricane Irma surpassed it 25 years later. For those young kids who don't know or are not cultured, a Picasso is always a, a painting. I wonder if anyone listens to this show that is so young that they wouldn't know certain things like that I have to point out. I can't imagine. I think most of this stuff is common knowledge, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, you just accidentally learn these things, I would imagine. Boy, you file one multi-million dollar claim and all that good neighbor crap just flies out the window. Wow, Daddy, you look good enough to bury. Yeah, you really look great. You know, I'd marry you all over again if I didn't know it was you. <laughs> but of course I do, so I wouldn't. <laughs> Where'd you get that suit? Well, Peg, when the guys at the clothing store saw me pull up my new car, they automatically opened up a charge account for me. I guess they didn't know I was just coming in to bum a nickel for the meter. <laughs> they open up an account, a charge account for him, yet he's dressed like regular Al, though, when he gets out of that car. So why... Wouldn't they just be confused of why he looks like that when he came out of a car like that? <laughs> Instead of opening a charge account for him? Yeah. Earlier, though, Peg says, you know, boy, you file one multi-million dollar claim and that good neighbor crap goes, flies right out the window. Um, the tagline from State Farm Insurance since 1971 was, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Oh, God, that was bad. <laughs> Do you know who wrote that uh, jingle? Mm, I feel like I should, but no. Barry Manilow. 
I did know that. Well, I guess I didn't know. Or like my dad always said, if you can't remember it, then you didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Barry Manilow, genius or madman? Genius. <laughs> Listen, honey, I'm having a little trouble with the insurance company. Did you know that the French claim that the real Mona Lisa is theirs just like we did? You know, it's a dark day when someone will believe the French over me. What about that picture of the dogs playing poker? Did they say they have that one, too? Because I really did have that in my trunk. Now, the picture of the dogs playing poker, that refers collectively to an 1894 painting, a 1903 series of 16 oil paintings commissioned to advertise cigars, and a 1910 painting... All 18 paintings in the overall series featured dogs, but the 11 are dogs seated around a card table, and it's become basically uh, an example of kitsch art and home decoration. I mean, everyone knows the picture of the dogs playing poker. Oh, sure. Yeah. So. Hey, Daddy, can we take a ride in the new Mercedes? Well, Pumpkin, I don't have the new Mercedes anymore. See, when I took it back to ask for a free fill-up, they had the nerve to ask me when I was going to buy the damn thing. <laughs> like I'd buy a foreign car. <laughs> I'm an American. And if I'm going to cheat somebody, it'll be an American company. <laughs> now, who wants to go for a ride with me and my new loaner? A Lincoln Town Car. I do, I do, I do. I do. I do. Then let's rock and roll. Uh, we get another driving montage. Al goes through a stop sign. So he thinks he's so high and mighty in this fancy car that he doesn't even have to stop, even though there are people. I mean, this is like a busy area of town, and people are crossing the street, and Al just keeps going. How fascinating is that? So Marcy and Jefferson pull up next to them, and the Bundys look at them and scoff at them, and they seem to have a ton of food and everything. Like, everything's going right for them, and they have tons of money and stuff. I don't know how. Like, how do they have all this food? How, how has anything changed in their life besides the car I was driving? But it has. And not only is the food, like, a major change in their life, but they take it for granted because they throw the food, the sub-sandwiches they had in their hands, and all the garbage in the car at... Uh, Jefferson and Marcy because they, they have a convertible and it lands inside of their car. <laughs> like, wow, man. Like, don't you know these are your neighbors and you're going to see them again? All the time. Because they just come popping right into your house. Oh, I thought it was funny, though. Yeah, they don't even ring the doorbell. I mean, you know these people. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> that was a great ride, eh, guys? And it proves one thing for sure. Old people can really jump out of the way when there's 4,000 pounds of American engineering barreling right at them. (laughs) Peggy really got off on almost hitting pedestrians with the car, too. I mean, she was excited about that as she was about, you know, Kelly's motorcycle and how she's going to feel with that thing. Like, she would be perfect. You ever see the movie Toxic Avenger? Oh, yeah. In the movie, these four kids, they just drive around the neighborhoods at night and they hit people with their car and they have scores and everything. They keep score. They have a scoreboard, point systems and everything. And they drive and hit this kid on a bike. And it is like the most gruesome scene in in movie history probably uh, during those times. And even today is chilling. Like you have to see this 
Just type in Toxic Avenger Hit and Run or something like that. It's it's shocking. Peg looks like she would fit right in with these people by the way she's acting about what Al did. Hey, everybody. Our food's still hot, and so is that guy at the Burger Boy drive-up window. <laughs> the fool actually handed me the bag while I still have the $5 dangling in front of the window. They are just on a high where... They think that they could do whatever they want just because they are borrowing cars to see if they want them. Like, think about it. This whole change and this whole highfalutin thing is all because they are borrowing a car for a few days to see if they'll buy it. Is, Is anything else changed? The way they're behaving, they're acting as if... They actually got money. Yeah, like the insurance company believed their Mona Lisa and Picasso and all these stories and paid them or something. It's it's weird, right? Like this episode sort of doesn't make sense, right? I mean, is their behavior justified? Um, no, but their behavior rarely is. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I mean, they are often delusional. Right. It's just it's strange. And I don't take points off for that type of weirdness, but... No, but it's 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 just interesting. When you have as little as they do, and you often, or you rarely catch breaks... Right. I guess that they just try to make the most of every opportunity they get. Right. So if this may be my only chance to drive around in a Mercedes, <laughs> then I'm going to take as much advantage of it as I possibly can. Right, but the odd thing is it's not their only chance. I mean, you could virtually just, if people are willing to let you drive a car, the whole point is, Marcy said, dealerships are so desperate to sell a car, they'll let you drive it for a few days and decide if you want it. So you could virtually do this the rest of your life. So it's weird. The whole thing is just very strange, you know? guys, I'd like to take this time to mention a dear friend of ours, Tyler Tigno. You might know him from the Marrow Children Facebook group page. He was a guest on a couple episodes with us. And he's a main host of the No Ma'am Roundtable that is exclusive to Patreon.com. Tyler's always been a big supporter of the Marrow Children podcast. He's a longtime patron and has always been active in our group. Well, he needs your help. Tyler wants to get into podcasting full-time, but he needs a little bit of money to get a computer that can handle the job and help him with his studies in school. If you want to help out a fellow no-mammer, visit GoFundMe.com, go to the search, type in Tyler Tigno, T-I-G-N-O, and help him reach his goal. He's already seen a lot of support from the Marywood Children fans. He's almost halfway there, so help him seal the deal and make his dreams come true. Hello, ma'am. Joe Orton from Uninsurable. We'll insure anybody insurance company. I've come to settle your claim. It's our $5 million. Well, I see why you kept the Mona Lisa in the trunk. Uh, And uh, my salami. I mean, uh, my two salamis. He came to settle their claim. Despite not believing a word they say, and despite his first offer from the company being $50... How much money are you going to give me? We'll give you $25,000. Yeah. So that's basically saying, I don't believe a word you say, but I just want to get this over with, so take this much money and get out of our life. That's strange, too, because if you don't believe a word they say, why give them anything? 
because they can't prove any of this, and it's all so outlandish. There's almost no reason to believe them anyway, and nobody would, even if you went to court on this, <laughs> you know? So it's it's strange that they would give up $25,000, right? Mm-hmm. Based on a bunch of lies. <laughs> Just wait one second, please. Family meeting. <laughs> What are we meeting for? Let's just take the 25000 Now, wait a minute, Al. That's not how it's done. This is just their starting offer. Go bargain with them. No. We don't want Dad to negotiate. He's a moron. I am. <laughs> I am. I am a moron. Tell me what should I do? Just remember the old saying, a bird in the hand is worth a foot in the tush. <laughs> what are you saying? I don't know. <laughs> what should I do? Negotiate. Take the money. Buy a vowel. <laughs> Look, Al, whatever your instincts are, just do the opposite. Uh, can I buy a vowel? No, I mean... I'll take the money. Life takes a dump on Al's head because Officer Dan... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Policeman shows up. <laughs> policeman yeah he's still not officer dan and this guy i love him he is the greatest thank god somebody realized that dan tullis jr should be a regular he fits right into the show so perfectly and always did from his first appearance um and he's one of the highlights of the later seasons because you know a lot of people think the show went downhill in this season which we've sort of kind of realized it didn't but it certainly changes in the coming seasons and having you know things like the dodge and the shoe store and no ma'am and officer dan be such prominent things of the later seasons that definitely is a little bit of a saving point for most people good news mr bundy they're making edible nightsticks now <laughs> if they had an edible nightstick it would look like a big crawler i guess right <laughs> <laughs> And I wouldn't mind being hit with one. (laughs) (laughs) With a crawler? Yeah, you just try to bite it when the guy hits you with it. Who cares? I feel like it would be messy, though. Good news, Mr. Bundy. They're making edible nightsticks now? (laughs) I wish. No, I meant good news for you. We found your Dodge. (laughs) It was parked around the corner where the engine fell out. We might have found it a little earlier, but we barely care when there's a major crime. Um, So, like you said, more uh, bad cop jokes. You know, how cops are just incompetent. Did they jimmy open the trunk, officer? Nope. What a relief. The Mona Lisa is safe. Well, I gotta be going, too. There's an armed robbery in progress, and I'm going to go park under the freeway and take a nap. (laughs) The insurance guy tears up the check. Al's getting nothing of the $25,000, hands it to Al. Al just drops the pieces on the floor, and Kelly says... Wait, wait, Daddy, there might be some K's in there. (laughs) Pumpkin, there are no K's in broke. (laughs) Well, and then you can see him as soon as he says it. He's like... He realizes. He's <laughs> like, man. And he's probably thinking in his mind, you know, these people are making me stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm getting dumb through osmosis. 
It's not B R O C E. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I'm glad they found my Dodge, because that's my car. And I hate change. But you know, it would be like losing one of you guys. Or Peg, it'd be like trading you in on a brand new blonde with shiny, new, smooth, factory worn at Hooters. You know. <laughs> well, sure, the first few rides would be nice and everything. But you know, in the long run, and this Peg is what depresses me every day, I realize that. You're the one I want. <laughs> oh, Al. I wish you wouldn't touch me, though. How random is that? That was a... That was a... I know, I like it, you know, but it was a bit of a random statement. But it was nice to hear, I guess. Yeah. You need that once in a while. You know, you don't want to make a whole episode about it a lot, but it's nice to just throw that in there. Uh, kids... Let's say we jump in the old Dodge and go for a spin. Okay. So um, they, they're going to go for a spin in the Dodge on the same streets uh, that they were pulling all these stunts with all these other nice fancy cars. Uh, as the camera pans, you see the front of the Dodge going to the front window. Alan Pegg are having a good old time. Pan to the back window. The kids are not in it. Pan to the back of the Dodge and the kids are pushing it. <laughs> But that was a great end joke. And the reason they're pushing the Dodge, obviously, is because Officer Dan, as he told you earlier, the engine fell out of it. So that's the only way that car could move. And while they're uh, doing this, they kick in that music that they've been playing during these montages, No Particular Place to Go by Chuck Berry. And coincidentally, this song was recorded in Chicago, Illinois, the Bundy's hometown. Now, what did you think of the, uh, we get another credits gag. They're doing that a lot this season. They're trying to, you know. I noticed that. Yeah, they're trying to spice the show up a little bit and um, give it a fresh feeling. Because now we're in season seven, you know, so it's time to, let's uh, implement some new things, new ideas into the show. Ah, That's the seven-year itch. Yeah. The end credits is um, Kelly on the phone. Hello? Yes, I saw your ad in the paper, and I'd like to buy a Mercedes, and I just want to verify the price. How much for the new model with everything? 50 G's? (laughs) Well, I don't have that kind of letter. (laughs) Or 50 big ones. How big do they have to be? <laughs> so on the DVD, this whole moment here with the end credit gag, it's a still picture of Kelly, and you hear this, her on the phone, but it's a still of her on the phone at least, so you know what's happening. On Hulu, though, though it's the traditional ending. It's just the live-action, normal thing that aired. But uh, good and gag, actually, to even throw in, um, you know, go from K's to G's to 1's. It, it really works. Good, good ending. Yeah, no, that was great. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot of the post-credits or do during credit sequences involve Kelly, too. Hmm. You know, like with the cheeseburger. Yeah, cheeseburger. Everyone at the movies that she was involved talking about the people. Yeah. Right. So let's rate this episode. 
Okay, how many salamis do we have in the trunk of our car out of five for this episode? For this episode, old insurance dodge. Jamie. I'm going to say I have. Come on, what are you telling the insurance company? What do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I initially told them I had three and a half, but I really should have just said four. I should have rounded it up. Yeah, you to get, get more most, of that one. To make the most possible or money, yeah. Um, but I, so I will say that uh, I'll say I have four. It's it's a it's like an unassuming little episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those encapsulated episodes that don't really affect anything else. Right. Short and sweet, like it went by really fast when I was watching it, and there's some really really great moments, uh, like with Jefferson, like I mentioned earlier. This is also one of those episodes that just kind of involves the family. And I always like that stuff. You know, plus we got the thing at the end where he told Peg she's the one he wants. I don't know. I had a good time with it. There were some um, nice pop culture references, like with the great Poupon. And I always like that. It kind of puts it in a time or it makes it a bit of a time capsule. The only thing is I just it really bugs me that they have the line about Kelly being conceived in the car when clearly she wasn't. So yeah, that irritates me, but I guess they have to keep it. uh, Maybe, maybe when they said that they were thinking about the previous time when it had come up and they're like, well, we, we have to maintain that. Right. Honestly, you still could have sidestepped that by saying Bud was because who's to say they both weren't. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I just, um, it's not, that's not a deal breaker. I'm not all like crazy mad about it. It doesn't, change anything i just think it's interesting and i think this is the first episode that we hear that it's a 1974 dodge that's the first time i've ever heard it that i recall yeah the first time i recall also so i could be wrong but that's all i recall so they deliberately gave that year which made their joke um impossible all right and that's the thing i guess is if you wanted to make that joke then i wouldn't have given the year Mm mm-hmm or, you know, just I would have made it bud. But either way. Well, uh, I am telling the insurance company I have three and a half out of five salamis in the back of my trunk. I get when we do our number ratings, I guess, you know, three has liked it, four has really liked it, five has loved it. Um, I guess I really like it, though. I mean, I do. I really like it. So, yeah, I guess you could say four out of five. It go just going by that, you know, the the words of the, what the numbers mean, because uh, I do really like it. It's um, I love Jefferson in this episode. The whole th- I love it, really any episode about Al's Dodge. I kind of love that whole that whole thing. I love any episode about the four touchdowns. Uh, you know, whenever they focus on these types of things that I am into about the show. Um, everybody did really good. Every Bud had his highlight moment when he wanted to still be in with the family. Jefferson killed it. Marcy was good. Peg was really good. She was, she really gave her all this episode. Kelly was spot on. The K jokes were really good. Kind of typical humor about, you know, what's in the trunk, telling them the Mona Lisa and a Picasso. That's kind of dumb. Um, that brings it down. That's why it'll never be a five because those jokes are just too not thought out to me. So it's just kind of like, eh. Uh, the Grey Poupon joke was a little late, 
especially since uh, Wayne's World already did it. But uh, I suppose it still works. I mean, not everyone on Earth has seen Wayne's World, and it's not like if a joke is done once. But it just seems like, well, if they did it back then... I mean, Wayne's World came out basically one year earlier. So it's not like, oh, why are we still doing this joke a year after it was in a big hit movie or anything like that? It A year... I guess a, a joke has a longer shelf life than a year, obviously. So, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, I think they they basically maximized every joke you could do with insurance and cars and theft. You know, the knock at the cops, how it was around the corner, blah, blah. I thought it was weird, the insurance company offering them 25000 Like, there's just little things about it that just don't make this, like, a well-thought-out perfection episode. So it'll never be fine. But I really did like what was on the surface, and not taking it seriously, because it's a comedy sitcom, uh, that's why I still really like it. It was just good stuff. Sorry Dan couldn't join us today. He should be back next week, and we hope you are too, as we review part two of Wedding Show. That was episode 13 of this season, so here we are next week reviewing episode 25, entitled The Wedding Repercussions. When Jimmy learns that his new bride slept with someone the day of their wedding, his temper explodes and a guilty bud runs for cover.